welcome to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel, and I'm so glad you're joining me for this last episode of Lesson 8, the Jerusalem Council. And this whole lesson is based out of Acts chapter 15. So, we are at the last lesson, Friday's lesson, for August 24th. And like I said in the previous episodes, uh, I'm just using that as a reference. Whenever you get to listen to this podcast, my prayer is that it will bless and provide uh, spiritual nourishment for your soul and guidance for the decisions you make, need to make in your life. Again, if you don't have the quarterly in front of you or you don't have access to it or you don't have a hard copy, no need to panic. If you have internet on a computer or a tablet, you can go to ssnet.org. And right now you can have access to the entire lesson. Like I said in previous episodes, you can print it. That way you can have a hard copy. My lesson right now is scribbled all over with notes and highlights and things. Um, and I like to study that way. If you're like that, then you can certainly print it. Uh, if you're more of a phone person, you can go to the app, uh, the iOS app store or Android app store and download it for free. Can you believe that? It's free. And if you want to invest for a nice copy with uh, all the highlights and the kind of lesson that I have in front of me, uh, it costs about $10 a year to subscribe to this. So you can go to AdventistBookCenter.com um, and uh, there you can find the the link so you can place an order and it will be mailed to your house um, for an entire year for just $10. It's an amazing investment. So Friday, August 24th, I'm just going to read some things as we conclude and uh, provide some thoughts in that regards. It says, uh, in these two last paragraphs, it says, The Jews feared that if the restrictions and ceremonies of their law were not made obligatory upon the, the Gentiles as a condition of church fellowship, the national peculiarities of the Jews, which had hitherto kept them distinct from all other people, would finally disappear from among those who received the gospel message. I'm going to read one last sentence. The Jewish Christians living within sight of the temple naturally allowed their minds to revert to the peculiar privileges of the Jews as a nation. And I hope you caught my emphasis. The national peculiarities, the nation. They were struggling with Christianity losing its Jewish national peculiarities, the Jewish nation attachment. Um, they, they, God was, I believe, moving in that direction because soon the temple will be destroyed completely. And the temple was at the core of the DNA of Jewish identity. So we have now to uh, grapple with this, right? Because Seventh-day Adventists, like every other denomination, was birthed somewhere. <laughs> uh, whether in Germany, with Martin Luther and Lutheranism, uh, we have Adventism taking place in the United States. And I mean, right at, at the birth of our nation as well, you know, we, as our church was forming, the Civil War was taking place as well. So the, the things that were shaping and, and making us what we are today as, a, as Americans was being developed simultaneously. And it's not that it is wrong, but it is significant because Adventism started here in the United States and spread overseas. And inadvertently, what we took was a North American flavored Seventh-day Adventism. Whether we like it or not, it is. I'm not saying it's not biblical. It's definitely biblical but it also is American. And uh, we, we have uh, now discovered and are experiencing Adventism with 
the continent of Africa flavor and Adventism with an European or Adventism with an Asian flavor and Adventism with a South American, Central American flavor. And now we're starting to experience a bit of what the uh, Acts chapter 15 Christians were experiencing. How much, uh, how attached, how much attached am I to the national flavor of my faith? This is something that I want to leave you with because I presently live in North America, but I've been blessed to um, given opportunities to go to um, the Middle East, to Beirut, and to Turkey. I have friends from other parts of the world, from Europe, from Asia, and of course I am from South America. And I can tell you that it is beautiful for me to see the differences and how Adventism has uh, been applied in different parts of the world. The truths that we have been entrusted with, how parts of them have been extremely significant and valuable in other parts of the world. At the same time, we may start to feel uncomfortable if other parts of the world begin to not look as American as the Adventism that we have in America looks like. The Bible is the Word of God, and the Word of God has affected and impacted humans in their societies. That's why the Bible has different authors that sound different. Some very educated, some are royalty, some are peasants, some are not as educated. The Apostle John in the original Greek has lots of spelling errors when he wrote himself. Um, so there are this, there, there will always be this tension of saying, well, my religion is biblical. Yes. Seventh-day Adventism, I believe, is the closest thing you can get to the Bible. But because we are comprised of humans, we bring our own flavor into it. And we need to grapple with when we see it a little bit different. You know, my wife in Puerto Rico, they use sofrito to flavor rice, to flavor everything else. You know, we're vegetarians at home, so we flavor tofu with sofrito. And you should try it. It's delicious. In Argentina, we have this thing called chimichurri. And I have a dear friend named Alvin and Devon, and they're Indian. And their equivalent of chimichurri or sofrito is called, you guessed it, curry. So different parts of the world have been able to flavor the same garbanzos <laughs> that I eat in Argentina and the same garbanzos that they eat in Puerto Rico. They may taste a little different, but they are garbanzos. And we need to feel comfortable with that. That we are able to have wisdom to discern when there's a divergence from the scriptures versus when there's a divergence, divergence from our national identity, our national peculiarities. I believe that this will help um, alleviate misunderstandings and potential fragmentations as we seek to relate to each other as a worldwide church. I am so confident that the same Jesus that gave his, himself at the cross is the same Jesus that is alive today, guiding his church. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul tells us that in the same way that a husband loves his bride, Jesus loves the church. Actually, we are told we should love our wives the same way Jesus loves the church and gave himself for her, that he might present to himself 
a bride that is washed, clean, spotless, wrinkle-free. So he's working on us. And I am confident that no matter what the adversary may try to do, whether through curry, chimichurri, or sofrito, whether through our need to mature spiritually, allow the fruit of the Spirit to manifest itself in, in a more mature way in my life, as I'm challenged to approach brothers and sisters that I may have issues with and humbly seek, seek for unity, Jesus is there. Jesus will not abandon us. Jesus is in control of the church. And He will make sure that this church will finalize as a victorious church, not because of our intellect, not because of our institutional achievements or academic achievements. Jesus will make this church victorious because we will have learned to be humble, to depend on the one that loves this church and gave himself for it. Jesus Christ, your Lord, my Lord, our King. Take confidence, no matter what your church is going through, Jesus is in control.